Okay, so I want to start off today with a prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for lighting our path and guiding us, using our light to guide us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your sufficient grace and mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness, your understanding. And thank you for wrapping your arms around each and every single last one of us. And protecting us with your precious blood. We thank you, Father God, for loving us so much that you gave your only precious, perfect, begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to come down in the flesh and die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. So that whoever believeth in him may have eternal and everlasting life, Lord Jesus, forgive me. And thank you in advance for the victory won over our lives. Thank you that your will be done in our lives. Thank you for creating us a clean heart and renewing a steadfast spirit within us. Thank you for renewing us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for showing us each and every day, opening our eyes and allowing us to see our sin more clearly so that we can make better decisions and become better in you and growing you every single day, Lord Jesus. I would like to pray for my enemies. But those that believe they are my enemies, Lord Jesus, I ask that you show them you as you have shown me you, Lord Jesus. Show them your grace, your mercy, your peace, your forgiveness, and your everlasting love, Lord God. Because I know that once they have experienced it, your incomparable and priceless love, they won't want to be the same. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, in advance. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So, I didn't even realize that my prayer was, you know, <laughs> that short. Honestly, I need to make it longer, but, um, That just encouraged me, so I hope that I was able to encourage somebody else. But let me read the scripture. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 25 to 26. New International Version. The Lord is good to those who hope is, whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So, for August 5th, in my daily devotional, I have... Mind you, this is a Tyndale Publishing, um, A Little God Time for Women, 365 Daily Devotional. So, it says, Risk Taker. Excuse me. Um, if I sound stuffy or anything, but it says, Risk Taker. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Psalm chapter 119 verse 105 new living translation there will be opportunities that arise that might be surprising to us we might suddenly be presented with something that feels kind of terrifying we view it as an opportunity because we see the benefit in it somewhere along the way we understand that it could be as much of a gift to our lives as a potentially as as a potentially difficult ride or transition before the gift appears stepping through the unknown takes courage and courage isn't always readily available. 
through the power of prayer and wrestling with the opportunities and the opportunities positives and negatives hopefully we come to the point where our hearts feel the peace we've been looking for that makes the task of accepting the opportunity much easier have you taken a risk and been presently surprised by the outcome how do you fully give your trust to god you still might not feel brave about a decision but you can trust the peace in your heart that alone takes courage this opportunity might be one of the biggest surprises of your life it's wonderful and scary but perfect for you now i believe that this word is so intentional every single word that i've been getting from this daily devotional has been so intentional i know that it's the lord speaking through me so i watched this movie called divination and in this movie there was this guy who was blessed with spiritual gifts and his whole life he was he he could sense the spiritual gifts but he was not ever able to truly explain them to people around him so he got a wife and his wife also has spiritual gifts but instead of her you know trusting god for her spiritual gifts well, a little backstory on him. His father also had the same spiritual gifts, except for his father actually saw the spirits, the unclean spirits around him fighting him because of his spiritual gift to keep him from prospering, keep his son from prospering. So he was diagnosed with a mental illness because he went to a counselor or psychiatrist, etc., who told him that he had one. And in reality, these were the spiritual gifts that God blessed him with. He saw demons and he saw them. He heard them. He heard them and he saw them. He was blessed to see and hear. So eventually, since he knew that he was, there was nothing wrong with him, but he, but the, the voices never stopped and they started to attack his, his son, he eventually just killed himself. And he was a pastor. And so... His son grew up with the same spiritual gifts, except for his son is actually able to do a little bit more. He is able to see, he's able to hear, and he's also able to maneuver in the spiritual realm. So he can see the demons, he can hear the demons, and he can move around them. He can move with them. He's not a demon, though. He's he's an angel. Well, he's a he's a vessel of light. And uh, he's afraid to go to the psychiatrist now because... His father was diagnosed with a mental illness when he knew there was nothing wrong with his father. Although he's heard his father screaming out things to things that he couldn't see at the time. He still knew that his father was okay. His father was in sound mind. He believed in his father because he knew his father. Although after his father killed himself, he did question whether he was in sound mind. So... As he grew older, he started to experience the same spiritual gifts where he's suffering these same things. He's suffering dreams. He's painting vision. He's, his paintings are reflective of what he's seeing in the spirit. And he can't quite hear them yet, but he's having different visions that are showing him what's going on in the spirit as if he's there. He is there. So there's demons around his home, just like they were around his father. And he has a child on the way. 
with his wife. The demons are planning to do the same thing that they did with his father, except worse. They're going to take his child. So, he sees a vision of the demons outside of his home and angels fighting for him. When he has this vision, I encourage everybody to go watch this movie. It's a really good movie, even though it's like, it's not as high budgeted as, as a lot of movies, a lot of Hollywood movies, but it's really good. So, he sees angels fighting for him. In this movie, they describe the angels, and the angels are, they are, they have like strikes. I want to call it strikes, but it's, it's, it's probably called something different in the in in heaven but this angel he has a strike because he disobeyed our father he disobeyed god because he's he's a really he actually is a really good angel but he was deceived and he took a chance and he disobeyed god and so god places him on like a probation where he has to monitor and watch this this guy who has these spiritual gifts. But the thing about it is, God doesn't want him to interfere too much. So, the reason why this angel is on probation is because this angel interfered too much before and it led to somebody losing their life. I believe it was his father. So... The reason why he's interfering so much is because he, he has a hunch. See, angels, they have free will. And he has a hunch. He has a really good feeling that this person is spiritually gifted and will hone those gifts. And will become who he's supposed to be. So the angel is fighting on his behalf. But, the, but our father doesn't want him to interfere too much because he doesn't want him to lead him to do what his father did. So... When he goes to see, a, he doesn't want to go see a psychiatrist because he doesn't want to be diagnosed with a mental illness when he knows he's fine. But his, his wife urges him. Meanwhile, his wife has a, a college friend who practiced witchcraft, who practiced sorcery and practiced different type of magic spells and um, I don't know what you call it, but just sorcery and dealings with the the devil and dealings with the opposing side little did they know the aim the the college friend was actually a fallen angel the spirit of divination and she could never have children she was possessed with the spirit of div divination she could never have children so her plan was to pretty much steal his child because not only does she know could not only is she upset that she could never have children but also she knows that this child will be blessed with spiritual gifts because both sides both parties are blessed with spiritual gifts that they aren't necessarily fully aware of they know that they have something but they don't know what it is she knows exactly what it is she starts to pray on the wife the wife is just so concerned about her husband who is having nightmares every single night about these demons so she just wants the, the nightmares to go because she knows that 
his father killed himself and she doesn't want him to kill himself or she doesn't want that to reflect on the family. She doesn't know that she also has spiritual gifts. She has a spiritual gift of feeling. She can feel. So he can hear, see, and, and, and actually maneuver. She can feel. So the child would actually possess all of those. So the spirit of divination is trying to steal the child. So she tells the wife that she's actually helping her to get rid of the nightmares for the husband so that she can get her to sell her child. When she went to do the seance or whatever it was in order to get rid of the nightmares for her husband, she wrote her name in blood and she did not know that she signed over her child. The, the spirit of divination was planning to kill her and take the child and the father's gifts would be gone forever due to her signing off signing us off and putting him under this because she put it on him but she thought that she was doing something good so the day is supposed to happen leading up to that day he's fighting demons literally fighting them like fist fighting them and his angels are fighting on his behalf so, finally, he's convinced to go to a psychiatrist. He's convinced to go to a counselor because he just doesn't know what else to do. His wife is scared and he doesn't want what happened to his father to happen to him. So, he goes to see the psychiatrist. And it's actually his angel fighting on his behalf who actually speaks through the counselor and tells him exactly what he needs to hear. Instead of the false psychiatrist or the faulty psychiatrist who the devil used with his father. This one was an angel of light. And he possessed a psychiatrist. Well, he was a psychiatrist. And he told him, you have spiritual gifts. You're able to see. You're able to hear. And you're able to maneuver in the spirit. And right now, it's a fight or flight situation. You have to, well, actually, it's a life or death situation. You have to figure out what you need to do in order to hone those spiritual gifts. Come to the Father, ask Him for help, do what you need to do, fight, and you will ultimately be able to save your wife and your child. Go, do it now because their lives are in danger. So he leaves the counseling office. When he gets home, he finds out that. There are, the woman is there with his wife and she's performing a seance on her. His wife is asleep. The angel tells him to throw out the book. Throw out the book that she signed her name in blood and, and blood with. So on his way there, he has to fight demons to get there. The angels are fighting on his behalf. When he finally gets in there, she turns into a full demon. The college friend turns into a full demon. The spirit of divination. The angel confronts her. And she's... Well, this already happened. But the angel confronted her. And she pretty much tells her plans. And why she's turning away from the father. And she pretty much tells him. I don't know why you stick with him. And so... That's when... He, he goes to his wife. He says... 
throw it out, throw it in a fire. And she says no. And the and he can see the spirit of divination in her, but the wife still can't. And he says, throw it out, throw it into the fire. She says, no, I don't want you to keep these nightmares. This is actually helping us. Didn't you say that your nightmares are gone? He said, you don't understand what this is doing. Our child is at risk. As soon as he tells her that, she falls back asleep again. So he can't throw it into the fire. She has to throw it into the fire because she has to denounce it. She did it. So on his way... He actually has to fight through a spiritual, the demonic warfare. He ends up fighting through the demonic warfare. And the way he gets through it is through the blood of Jesus. He's seen running through the spirit realm. And he he, find, he comes across a river of blood. The blood that was shed for us on the, on the, on the cross on Calvary Hill by our savior the messiah and he says we're already bought we're already paid for we've already been paid for at a great price we weren't cheap so nobody can take us away from our father so he figures it out he fights through it and now what he needs to do is help his wife he has to get her to throw the book into the fire so he's trying to get her to throw the book into the fire and the spirit possesses her to stab him somehow he's able to wake her up snap her out of it and she throws the book into the fire just in time and the spirit is you know obliterated cast back to hell so you might be wondering why don't why am i telling you about this well for multiple reasons this movie, I feel, was very reflective of uh, my situation, my story, my testimony, and things I'm going through right now. I have spiritual gifts, and I've had them my entire life. Like, I have been speaking to God, and God tells me, you have these gifts, you're able to do these things, etc., I do believe that my father also had these spiritual gifts. He told me a lot of different things about me that I know came directly from God. Because I get older and I find out that God is telling me the same things myself. Well, he's telling me these things himself. So, I know that my father has spiritual gifts as well. Um, he's the one who got us baptized. He's the one who took us to church. He definitely is one of God's chosen. So, now I have even more spiritual gifts. My grandmother always also is spiritually talented. She has, I believe, um, I, I believe she prophesies. And I also believe that she is very powerful in the spiritual realm as far as being a prayer warrior. Her prayers are very impactful. So, I believe I have these gifts even more now. Because they just get stronger through your descendants. So... The reason why 
I brought up the this movie is because so many different similarities. So, for example, with him not him knowing his father, knowing that there was nothing wrong with him. He's a pastor. He's a man of God. He is a good man. And then him being told by the psychiatrist that he has mental a mental illness, and so therefore he actually cannot, you know. Well, he he's deemed, you know, mentally ill, and he knows that there's nothing wrong with him, but he cannot prove it. So, I feel like in this situation, this is so similar to myself because, obviously, well, not obviously, well, yes, obviously, obviously, I don't have a mental illness. But the demons try to convince me that it is one because I can see them, I can hear them, and I fight them. So I notice that in, whenever I am accepting of this lie, if I accept to myself, I do have a mental illness, or if I start to believe it, they leave me alone. Because as long as they can keep me from knowing who I am, then they're okay. They won't bother me. But as long as I'm not accepting that for myself, as long as I know the truth, as long as I know that God has blessed me with this spiritual gift of demon fighting, demon hunting, demon slaying, their lives are in danger. Or spirits, they don't have lives. Their spirits are in danger. And so, they are brutally attacking me constantly, 24-7. They don't let up. Because that 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 tells me I'm on the right path. But I couldn't go to a psychiatrist. I've been to counselors. I've been to psychiatrists. And sometimes it seems like some of the things that they say are can be helpful. But they're never telling me what God tells me. That's why I've, t- I've said for so long, God is my counselor. You don't understand the depression they had diagnosed me with, God cured. The anxiety that I had, God cured. Any type of mental illness they tried to place on me, God cured. God is my counselor. Only problem, I was never anxious. I never had depression. I worried a lot because I saw these demons in the spirit and how they were maneuvering through my family, through my friends, and through the world. I was depressed because I knew that a demon had been placed on me in order to keep me from becoming who I was the, supposed to be. This It was a, a very strong demon placed on me in order to keep me from becoming the demon slayer that I am so that I can take demons off of my whole family. So that I can take demons off of other people. And I knew that the demon was on me the entire time trying to get me to kill myself. Because as long as the demon can get me to kill myself, then the demon is no longer in danger. The demons are no longer in danger because there's multiple. There's many of them. And God was always there the entire time telling me, it's okay, you're coming out of this. It's okay, you're coming out of this. And so it was not depression. It was a demon. And ultimately, I felt like, Nobody would understand. So I felt disconnected with the world. And I did not realize that God was setting me apart. So I say all this to say I have a lot in common with the father. But also have a lot in common with the son. 
the son, even though a lot of times things weren't explainable, he knew. He just knew. And he didn't want to be like his father. And I'm not saying, like, I don't want to be like my father. But what I'm saying is he learned from his father's mistakes. And I feel that I have. I feel that I am learning from my father's mistakes. Now, you will say, what mistake did your father have? Now, my father did not kill himself. No. But my father doubted himself. He he was strong with the Lord. He was going strong with the Lord and he was doing very well. And then he may have strayed off a little bit. He may have doubted himself. He may have had less confidence. And those demons came back seven times stronger. In the Bible it says, if you clean house and you don't maintain it, the demons come back seven times stronger. Seven times they bring back seven friends. And they they say, Ooh, the house has been cleaned for me. And they ruin lives. That's what I believe happened to my father. My father, it's amazing how so many people have so many different things to say about him. But in reality, I see him for who he is. Now, I'm not saying he's perfect. Nobody is perfect. Obviously, he's made these mistakes. Like I said, these demons came back stronger than before. But what I'm saying is that I've seen throughout the years that he is very intelligent. He is right about a lot of things. He gets he gets a lot of his messages directly from God. He he he's so caring and genuine. A lot of times he doesn't tell by anybody anything for them for himself. He's telling them things for them. He's he's genuine. Like he cares about people. I get that from him. So I realized that, you know, throughout life, my father, even though he was, there were so many different people. Your father is crazy. Your father is stupid. Your father don't know what he's talking about. Your father always talking about stuff, you know, that don't make no sense. And it was everybody. I still to myself knew that, you know, I'm going to discern for myself. Whether I believe the stuff that he's saying. And a lot of the stuff made sense. Now, I won't lie to you. The devil did get in a couple, a few of the messages. And he would twist certain things to make it sound like all of it was a lie. But in reality, it was the truth. And the little small part that the devil added would make you discredit everything that he said. When in reality, a lot of it was true. A lot of it made sense. And a lot of it is actually happening right now. So, that's how the devil works. He used a little bit of miscalculation or misinformation in order to make you discredit everything someone said. So that you don't get the whole message. When in reality, the whole, the, the real truth of it, the real meat of the whatever it is that they said, is still true. You have to use your discernment and decide for yourself where you can apply that and where it's true. And so that's how it's always been with my father. He'll tell people things and a lot of it, a lot of the stuff will be true, but they won't ever find out until it's too late because uh, something about it or just one small piece of information made them discredit all of it or made them stop listening or made them ignore him. And then later on, they'll say, you know what? That part was true, but all the rest of that I can't speak for. And then you're like, but I could have avoided this if I had taken heed from that part, though. So that part could have been helpful. And that's how the devil works. 
He allows you to speak truth. He allows you to tell. No, God allows you to tell truth. God allows you to speak the truth. And then the devil comes in right after and adds little tricky, subtle lies. And so you say to yourself, you know what? I know that's not true. So all of it must be a mess. All of it must be a miss. And in reality, it's so much truth to it. And the truth that you are supposed to get, you don't get now. Now you've discredited all of it. That's what I feel like the devil is also doing in my life. He does it a lot. But only, the only difference now is that it's stronger now. It's stronger to the point where a lot I can say a lot more truth. And he's able to maneuver less. Not only that, I'm able to fight him because God has given me the power, the ability, using me as a vessel to fight him off of me. I have this. I am able to demon hunt. My father was a. He was able to prophesy. He was able to see things in the spirit, see things happening. And my grandmother, she was just a powerful prayer warrior, and also she prophesies. So me, I prophesy. I'm able to pray. I'm a. I'm a very. I'm a very powerful prayer hunt, prayer warrior. I'm a. I'm an impactful prayer. And also, I'm able to fight these demons off and see things in the spirit. So, out of all of these different things that's happening, that's going on, I am sure that this is what's happening. Now, my father, one thing about him, he was very sure of the things he said. He was very sure. The devil used other things that weren't necessarily obvious or weren't necessarily you know able to be weeded out they could have been weeded out had you just listened to all of it applied in as like with the wisdom and discernment that the lord gave you or gives you but people weren't willing to they'd rather just throw the whole message away they'd rather just listen to none of it and so these different things I'm able to avoid, but only if I fight. If I don't pay attention, if I slack off, if I think everything's okay when it's not, they're able to maneuver. But as long as I'm focused, as long as I'm paying attention, as long as I'm sure of myself and confident in God, and I believe Him and trust Him and have faith in Him, they cannot do anything. They can't do anything. The only thing that they're doing is affecting or trying to maneuver the people around me that I love. Because then they know that I'm vulnerable. I'm vulnerable in that way. Because I want to protect them. I know what's going on. I can avoid it for myself. But avoiding it for myself is never enough. I'm not a selfish person. I don't want to just save me. If I wanted to just save me, of course, I'll be okay for the rest of my life. I can move off somewhere. I can find the right people to be around. I have that spirit of wisdom and discernment. The Lord blessed me with that. I can see what's going on. I can, I can, the, God, the Lord protects me. I have angels that protect me, and I would be okay if I was selfish. But since I care about my family members, since I care about how they are able, you know, how they're being affected by these different spirits, in a way, I'm chained to that. And I don't want to say chained because the Lord doesn't want me to feel chained. The Lord doesn't want me to think of it as chains. It's actually being able to free them. So I have to fight not only for myself but for my family. 
Now, the problem with that is when you're fighting for them and they don't see what's going on in the spirit, oftentimes the demons that you're fighting is them. You have to fight them. Because they are believing these things that the demons are sending in spirit because they cannot see them and they cannot see what's going on like you do. So the only thing that they, so they don't know that they're being used. And when they're being used, the demons are actually just talking through them, working through them, making them do things they don't really even believe. And it's because they can't see, but you can. And so you're suffering in that way. You suffer because you suffer seeing them suffer. You suffer because all you want to do is help them. And the only thing that they do is fight you off of them. Fight you away from them. Fight you. And they're fighting you because that's the demon fighting you. You're trying to fight the demon off of them. And if you tell them that, then they just say, I don't know what you're talking about. Or I don't necessarily agree with that. Or whatever i don't i don't believe it and they continue on and the only thing that now at this point you just have to fight them too you have to fight them enough in order to get the demon off them now i'm not talking about flesh and blood i'm not talking about going and hit them or fight them and you know with your body i'm talking about and the spirit we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly realms ephesians six twelve. Meaning, you can't go and fight them with, you know, you can't go argue with them. Even though we make mistakes, we're not perfect. I'm, I don't make, I make mistakes, I'm not perfect. You can't go arguing with them. You can't go physically fighting them. You can't go doing stuff, you know, in this world and expecting it to get to them. You can't do to them what they do to you. You can't work that way. You have to let them do whatever it is that they're doing. And you have to do what you know to do. But just to pray and have faith in God. Do what God is telling you no matter how hard it is. Because it's so hard when you realize like they don't want to be helped. You can even tell them what it is that's going on. And they would say, good, I want that. And they don't. And you have to still fight somebody who will fight on behalf of the opposing side, not knowing what it is that they're really doing. Which is why Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Now, it was a little bit more literal that day because they literally didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't know that they were crucifying the Messiah. But it's different when somebody knows that they're crucifying somebody who God sent to save them. They know that. And they're fighting on behalf of the opposing side because they're being used. That's, I won't say it's harder than what Jesus had to go through, but that's different. So, imagine someone saying, yes, I know I'm being used by this demon and I want it to use me and leave me alone and let this demon use me. Do not fight this demon off of me. I don't want you to fight this demon off of me. I want to keep it. And it's like, what do you do? But like I said, you have to keep fighting. You have to fight them if you have to. 
that being said i i understand i realize that a lot of different things in this world are used against me now and easily if i say that to someone somebody will say you think the world revolves around you what makes you think that everything is about you and in reality it's not you it's the spirits they know that this message will get to me they know that i'll be looking for messages they know that i'll be looking for signs and i'll be in a way well they're hoping i'll be vulnerable when i come across it and they're using you you think that you're doing something good just like the wife in the story she thought that she was doing something good by removing these nightmares from the from the husband and in the natural it looked like he's having nightmares every night that's obviously very stressful and it's going to reflect on our family we're bringing a child into this world and this is dangerous especially seeing that his father picked up a gun and shot himself in the head so in the natural, it looks like this is dangerous. We have to do this. If anything will help, then I'll do it. But in reality, in the spirit, you have to trust. Like it's, It takes trust. It takes faith in what you cannot see. That is what this is like. So, so many different times I see these different prophetic words and prophetic messages from different people. And... I don't it's not them. I would never, you know, blame them. I would still listen to them because obviously it's something about them and it's something about their words that obviously attracted me to their message. There's a lot of different prophetic words and messages on the internet. I'm not watching all of them. So there's clearly something that attracted me to your word, which means God is speaking through you. A lot of times it's the small little details that the devil are the devil is using. In order to get me to discredit the whole message. Which means there's a lot to it. There's something in it. That the Lord wanted me to hear. But the devil is maneuvering in ways. Trying to get, trying to twist it and pervert the word of the Lord. Trying to pervert the message. Trying to twist the prophecy. Or trying to, excuse me. Trying try to twist the prophetic word. In order to get me to not get what it is the Lord wanted me to see. Do you see how he maneuvers in so many subtle, sneaky, different ways? He's a snake. On one hand, he's making it seem as if he's using this person. On another hand, he's actually twisting certain certain things so you you just discredit the whole message and on another hand he's actually keeping you he's trying to pull you into a dependency on that person's words when you can only depend on god's words so it's like even if this don't work i got this in order even if that don't work i got this in order so if she don't if she never clicks on this, she'll never get this word. Because it looks like she's I'm, I'm using this person completely. So if she never cl- clicks on this prophetic word, then she'll never get this message. And if she does click on this message, then I'll be able to twist it with certain things I've said through this person. And if that doesn't work, then I'll keep it. And she, and she believes it. And she actually doesn't let that keep her from getting the word. Going forward, she'll depend on this person's prophetic word. And I'll be able to use that more. It's so many different levels of deception that he's using. He's subtle, but he's crafty. This is how he works. So I'm saying that to say that this is how this situation is. So 
more recently i saw a prophetic word about many different prophetic words about people around me being snakes people around me using me people around me um plotting against me scheming um really working against me and being used by the devil and really out to get me like life or death murderous plots and the lord is the lord is saying it doesn't matter they can't hurt you it doesn't matter they can't touch you it doesn't matter stay where i have you don't move until i tell you to move so i'll get a prophetic message and the prophetic message says this person is using you cut them off but also don't move without asking the lord first so then you have to battle against which one is it do i cut them off or do i not move unless the lord tells me to move because i know that the lord told me don't worry about cutting them off no matter how much no matter how hard it is to not cut them off the lord said don't don't worry about that you're coming out of this and so are they you're bringing them out of this i'm using you to bring them out of this so if i listen to the first half of the message i cut them off and i move without the lord telling me to do that because he didn't tell me to do that but if i listen to the other half of the message and i don't move without the lord telling me to do that then it seems as if i didn't really get a message to begin with what help did i receive because now it seems like i'm not getting answers and that's sometimes more affecting and sometimes more it's more pressure to not getting an answer and not feeling like you're being responded to or him not answering you or not being around when he is but you being to- you're being you're being told and you're being affected and you're being pressured into believing that you're not getting answers when you need them. You're not getting the answers you feel you deserve. And that sometimes can be more detrimental than actually moving based off of something you thought you heard from him. So a lot of times I have to use my spirit of wisdom and discernment in order to even receive these messages from these people. But the one thing I can always take comfort in is that God told me first. As long as I'm listening, as long as I'm paying attention and I'm accepting what it is that he say, no matter what it is I want to happen, I realize that he actually already told me that. So when I click on your message, it's really just for confirmation. And that's how I know who to listen to because you're confirming what it is he already told me the only problem is that in, in you confirming what it is that you that he already told me you're confirming both halves of it you're confirming what it what it is i am supposed to be doing and you're confirming what it is i'm not because the devil is speaking through you and trying to get you to change my mind and if i were if it were before and I was just so unsure and being tossed around. It says, he who is not sure of the Lord. And I don't want I don't want to quote directly because, you know, I don't. My mind is really scrambled right now. But pretty much when you don't know for a fact what's going on, 
or you don't choose if you don't choose specifically if you don't pick god and only god you're being tossed around to and fro you don't know where to go you don't have a solid stance you're just flowing in the wind when you don't choose god and god only and have faith in what he says only and so i battle that i battle knowing what he told me but still needing that confirmation because he is the confirmation so that being said i realized that a lot of different times i hear what's going on i know what's going on but yet still i need that extra confirmation so i've been told for it seems like almost two years now going on two years now to cut everybody off leave them alone and so every single day I, I'm, I'm telling you every i don't think that is well i won't i'll be a liar if i say not a day goes by but most days i am so i, I really want to leave most days i want to cut everybody off most days i want to be selfish well no not selfish i know better than to be selfish but most days i really fantasize i fantasize about leaving forever and not worrying about nobody else but myself most days i want to do that most days i'm tempted not i don't want to do that because if i wanted to do it i would just do it but most days i'm tempted to do that and i realize that each and every single day that the lord keeps me here is confirmation because if that were i was supposed to be that's where i would be so that means that even if these people are you know being used against me by the devil they're here for a reason i'm here for a reason now that's why i say the devil is tricky he works on different levels so on one end it's like well leave and cut them off because they're they don't mean you no good and on the other end it's like no it's okay if you stay he's setting you up in front of them he says sit in my right hand whilst i make your enemies your footstool but the lord told me that he's actually bringing us all out of it we're all being used so at the by the end of this i won't feel like that i won't feel like i i've won and you guys are have to watch me win i will win but i won't feel like that i will want them to have went won with me they will have won with me despite what they did that's what the lord is telling me and if i believe that the lord is putting me through this in order to someday look back on them and say ha i told you so that is another tactic of the enemy i won't be able to do what it is the lord is work i won't be able to accomplish what it is the lord is trying to accomplish through me if i believe that i'm doing this or he's bringing me through this in order to prove something to them i mean yes to prove something to them but nothing less than his power nothing less than who he is not that i came out and y'all all y'all did was talk about me and plot against me and try and destroy me and do all these things and now look at you regretting it it's not to make them regret anything that they did because it's just like in those superhero movies where everybody's being used everybody's being used and zombified by some robot or some you know magic placed over them blinding them so that they don't see what they're doing once you get once the superhero gets it off of everybody's head do you now are you upset with them for what they did 
No, you don't say I'm upset for which I'm upset with you for what you did when you had that robot controlling your actions and you didn't even know what you were doing. Why would you be upset with them? They were being used. They are just as much of a victim as you are. That's what the Lord is telling me. You are you are fighting everyone because you are the only one who sees, but that's a blessing. They don't see what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And ultimately, you cannot blame them at the end. You can't think to yourself, it's okay because one day, I swear they're going to regret treating me like this. And they're going to wish that they never did that. And I, I'm going to feel so good about how they wish they never did that. And in reality, it's, they're, you're not, it's not gonna, that's not how it's going to happen. The Lord has told me time and time again, you're going to win big. Trust me, you're going to win big. But what you need to understand is when you win... You won't be in the mindset of, yes, I'm able to prove everyone who doubted me wrong. Or, yes, I'm able to make them regret what they did. Or, yes, now I get to win in their faces and they all, you know, sit there regretting or upset or um, miserable, unhappy. I get to see the look on their faces when I win. Because the look on their faces will be the same look that's on my face. We all win. It's not about me proving anything wrong to anybody or proving anybody wrong because they're being used. They're just as much of a victim as I am. So when that comes off of them, it'll be like, huh, what happened? Where was I? So how would I say, I know where you was and I'm mad about where you was at. Does that make sense? They didn't know what they were doing, which is why Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That is what it is. We have a veil over our hearts and our minds that's keeping us from seeing clearly. Some of us are able to pull it off a little bit and see a little bit. Some of us are able to, Jesus is blessing us so much. We're so blessed that he's allowing us to see some, see, see some things. Some of us see more than others. Some of us see less. Some of us don't see at all. But when it comes off of each and every single last one of us, we'll all have been we will all have prospered not just one person sitting over somebody saying i prospered and now you all have to watch me prosper when you wanted me to lose what does that sound like saying that to someone who doesn't even remember wanting to see you lose that's what it is now a lot of people they're so caught up in what they're doing right now and they're they're being they're being used so they believe, they say to themselves, I know what I'm doing. And actually, joke's on you because you really believe that I'll actually ever be happy for you. Or I'll actually ever want what you want. No, I just want to see you lose. And if you don't lose, I mean, and if you do, if you don't lose, then what makes you ever, what makes you think that that won't be the worst day of my life? No, I would never support you and I would never want to win with you. Some people will say that. Some people will feel like that. And they genuinely believe that. But they don't understand that. What you need to understand is when you are in a certain... When, you're, when you see a certain thing, you can't see past it. You won't understand what it's like to be for when you to for when you come out of it. 
I mean, you will never understand until you come out of it. How do I explain this? Everybody has had those times in their lives where they've been in a situation that seemed like it was the end of the world or that it was never going to get better. But then when they finally came out of it, they looked back and they said, you know what? It's so funny to me how when I was in that situation, it felt like I'd never get out of it. It felt like the end of the world. But now look at me. It's amazing how life works. Imagine if I had done something so permanent. And imagine if I had done something in that moment that would have kept me from getting here. And I never even saw my future. I never saw myself being here. It's amazing how God works. So that's my message. Even though it seems like, you know, people are being used against you. Even though it seems like, you know... No matter what, they'll never be happy for you. And so it it will take for you to win in order to give them the opposite feeling. Regretting never being happy for you. But in reality, it's not about that. The Lord told me on too many different occasions. He's told me this so many different times. He should never even have to repeat himself. But he's told me this on so many different occasions. When you win, you won't want, you won't feel that way. When you win, you'll just want to make other people win. You'll just want other people to win too. Winning does not mean feeling like other people you're glad that other people did like you're glad you won over other people or that other people get to see you win and you get to rub it in their faces. That's not real winning. And you're going to win for real. So when you win for real, you're just going to want them to win too. And they will have won because that's how you win. And that's what the Lord said. So that's the message. Don't cut anybody off. Don't cut them off. Because I know you might be thinking, what What are you talking about? I have to cut this person off. I'm not like you. I can't do it. But I'm telling you that I have been literally through a murderous plot where people have plotted to murder me take me out of this world and i can still be around them god can take you through anything jesus was crucified on a cross by the very people he was sent to save and that didn't keep him from trying to save no that didn't keep him from dying on the cross to save them so that's what the that's what the Lord really wants you to do. When you pray to the Lord, you ask him to be more like him. That's what he means. Because the Lord wouldn't cut anybody off. Why wouldn't the Lord cut anybody off? Because he sees what's going on in his spirit. He knows it's not true. He knows it's not your actions. It's not reflective of you. That's not you. You're being used. So he's not going to cut you off because he understands that the devil is using you. Everyone can't be perfect like the Lord, but at the same time, he's here to keep you from making as many mistakes as possible. So that's why. That's why the Lord would never cut anybody off. It's not about cutting anybody off. You can't cut people off. There's always going to be, if you, you, you can try and cut somebody off, excuse me, you can try and cut somebody off and you don't realize that, you know, Moving forward, you're going to end up running into somebody that you can't cut off just like them. It's always going to be somebody like that in this world. 
You can't always avoid these people. You have to learn to be able to thrive, prosper, and be yourself no matter what and make the same decisions you would have made regardless of the situation or circumstance, regardless of the person. Anyways, no matter who, no matter what. And that's what it's about. Because that's how Jesus works. Even though he knew that Judas was going to ultimately betray him. He knew that the devil was possessing his body. He knew that it wasn't Judas. So he knew not to blame Judas. He told them to go get swords. He could have said, Peter killed Judas. But would Jesus ever do that? Absolutely not. He said, go and do what you need to do. He told Judas to go and betray him. He said, go do it now. Because this needs to happen. Because Jesus is so sure of the outcome that he will never question the events leading up to it. That's what it's like to be more like Jesus. Be so sure that you're coming out a winner. That you don't question the different things you have to go through to get there. He knew, he felt every flog, he felt every hour he would hang on that cross before he walked up to it, and he still walked up to it. He knew that the very people who invited him into the city would be the very people who came and snatched him up and beat him half to death right before they made him carry a 150-pound cross up to a hill and hung him from it after they nailed his hands and his feet to it. He knew how all of that would feel. He felt it in the spirit when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sorry, Gethsemane. He knew everything. He knew all of it. And he still went through with it. That's bravery. He's the strongest, most courageous, most perfect man to have ever existed. And if you want to be more like him, that means taking heed and understanding why he did that. And, and, and trying your best to incorporate that more into your life. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to do it perfectly. You're not going to be able to be sure 100% of the time. Maybe. But you can try your best to be. That's what the Lord is telling me. He's saying despite what it looks like, despite what it feels like, despite what it seems like, what do you know is going to happen? If you trust me, I told you what's going to happen, so walk up to your cross. Now, I'm not saying that I'm Jesus. What I'm saying is that to be more like him is to, be, is to, is to face what he faced. It's to face that adversity and that them people despising you plotting against you wanting to kill you and maybe ultimately succeeding but you being so confident in what the father said he has planned for you that you allow it all to happen in confidence and faith and trust in god and ultimately come out a winner if jesus had said if jesus had had said to himself you know what that seemed like it'll hurt too much or you know what I don't want to be betrayed by the very friend that I fed. I don't want to go through these things. Not for these people who would actually put me on the cross. I don't want to have to be nailed to a cross. I don't want to have to suffer for the people who will nail me to it. If Jesus walked away from that, then he wouldn't have been able to die for the forgiveness of each and every single last one of our sins. We will all be going to hell. 
This is why we have to be more like him and have confidence in what God has predestined for our lives. Because the devil is so crafty that he will make you doubt it every second, of, every step of the way. But it's not a problem that you doubt it. It's a problem that you give up. Don't give up. And I feel like that's what it is that the Lord wanted me to tell you today. Okay, so every day I battle with coming on here and telling my testimony and different things that's been happening to me. Because... It's amazing the different things that happened to me and have happened to me that only I am willing to testify. Even when people have seen it with their own eyes as well as I. But I'm the only one willing to testify. And I won't say I'm the only one. I don't want to speak that into the atmosphere. But I want to say that people don't openly support me. Like, for example, I'm not... You know, I'm not jealous or I'm not, you know, envious or covetous of anybody's life. But I go on the internet and I see different people. They get the support on the different things that they say. And I support different people because when I listen to the words they say, when I see the different things that they're doing, and it resonates with me, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I support something that resonates with me? It just makes sense. So I think to myself, there's got to be more people like out there like me. Clearly, I've been out in the world. I haven't been, you know, coddled my entire life. I know what it's like. You go out into the world, you meet a majority of people who just either or really... A majority of people do, t- to, do tend to follow the crowd. A majority of people do do what other people do. But you'll, you'll meet people like you. Or you might meet, meet a majority of people who are just not like you. And then you'll meet a, a, a few people that are like you. So I've been out in the world meeting different people, many different people every single day. And throughout those days, most days I probably wouldn't meet somebody who I would, you know, actually see myself actually associating with long term. But every once in a while, I would meet somebody who I seemed that I felt that I would associate with long term. And this is just locally. So I know that if I was to meet, if I was to be, if a lot of different people were to know me, uh, like hundreds of people know me and knew me for who I was. I would be able to resonate with a lot of different people. I would have a big following because I know that the things that I speak about, you know, they're the truth because I get my truth from God. I get my truth from the Bible. So I know I'm not the only person who seeks this truth. There's way too many different people who loves God, his word, and the things that he does to, for it to be so many, so very few people actually resonating with the things that I say. That being said, when it's just me and somebody else and it's not a bunch of different people with their different opinions... Um, people agree with me. People, people are like, I actually admire the things you talk about. You have great conversation. You have no idea how many people, almost everybody I meet says you have great conversation. I love talking to you. And it's so rare to find people who I love talking to, who I can have a good conversation like this with. And this is what I admire about you. It's not about the appearance. It's not about the looks. It's not about anything that you can do for me. It's about the simple fact that I love the way you think. I love your mindset. You have a great mindset. I love talking to you. And I'm pretty sure I could talk to you forever. These different people, I never... No, I won't lie. Like, it depends, but... 
just to meet so many different people when this person is on a personal level they're willing to you know acknowledge me and they like my mindset they like my conversation they are you know actually I don't want to call them fans but they just they like me but then when it's a bunch of different people in a in a group and it's like they're influenced by somebody who doesn't like me which usually didn't happen before recently but it's happening then it's like people are afraid to speak up or certain people don't want to be involved with that because it's controversial and it's like it's because of the fact that if you're the person that people are against right now just for somebody being on your side everybody will be against them too and that's why I do not I do not want nobody to risk their neck for me it's like don't put your neck out for me but also at the same time there's going to come a time where that person is going to be that person's side or whatever it is that they're concocting is going to be taken down it's going to be you know reverse not reverse i don't want i don't want to say i want to reverse anything on them i pray that they get the salvation i received but it's going to be it's going to come a time where people aren't going to support that just because they don't like you or just because that's what's cool to do or just because it's a trend so that being said it just seems like you know do we do things for now because i know that the people i talk to don't do things for now i'm never talking about stuff like that so if you admire the stuff i'm talking about then clearly you're the type of person who actually thinks about the future who cares about it so i don't i i know that if i were to reach a certain audience or if I were to reach a larger audience, that people would support me. But it's, it, it seems that I'm at this place where people don't want me to get to that threshold of reading, reaching that audience because they know that too. So instead of allowing me to get out there, they rather keep me in a box, keep me, you know, locked down so that people don't get to see who I am. Because they know that people will love me and maybe they don't feel like people will love them. But the thing about it is, it's like, when you say, well, fight your way out, fight your way out. But the thing about it is, anybody who's coming around this box that they have me locked in, they're on the outside line. This person is this, this person is that. They're thinking of all these different, amazingly creative different ways of trying to keep me down. But you would think, like, well, if you feel like, so, if you want to do this to keep people from liking me because you don't think nobody will like you, why can't you use that creativity to get people to like you instead of trying to get people to not like me. You'd be surprised how many people would like you for you if you use that creativity towards positive instead of negative. But these type of people with these kind of mindsets, you know, usually are obsessed with the fact that it feels like no matter how good I am, you're always better. And I don't allow that type of stuff to stop me from being who I am, so I don't understand it. Because it doesn't matter if how good I am, you're better, I'm still me. And so somebody will, it'll be an audience looking for you, and then there'll be an audience looking for me. I want the audience that's looking for me. I don't want the audience looking for you. Why? Because I will never be you. And that's the understanding. But it's just, I guess the problem with that is, that's offensive. That's offensive to somebody who just doesn't, who just wants your audience. To tell them that they will never be you 
it's um offensive in a way because they feel like that's what's that's what I'm that's what I'm afraid of. That's what bothers me. I'll never be you. And I want the audience that's looking for you. That's covetousness and that's jealousy and that's the devil's favorite trick. That's his favorite trick. I'm telling you, it's like seems like sometimes it's the only one he has. Why? Because that's who he is. He's covetous. He's jealous. He wants he wants God's audience. If the devil would have stayed an angel of light, there would have there everybody in heaven said that the devil was perfect. That he was um the best um he was the head of the choir and he was so beautiful. Everyone in heaven admired how great the devil was. But the devil couldn't do anything but look at how great God was and wish that he was him. Now, everybody in heaven is looking at how great God is. Obviously, he's greater. But the devil couldn't do anything but say to himself, no matter how good I am, I'll never be as good as you. But I won't accept that. Or no matter what I do, I'll never be you. No matter what I do, I won't have your audience. No matter what I do, I can't have people who, I can't have your audience. Even though I have my own audience, I want yours. That's what the devil said to himself. And so, imagine how abundant, because he was very abundant. He was made the most perfect angel in heaven. How is that not enough? How is it not enough to already be the best and most perfect angel in heaven? You're perfect. Humans don't even get to be perfect, but the devil was perfect. And yet still, all he did was covet God's audience, covet God's love, covet God's power. So when I see people being jealous of other people, I say, well, it got to be the devil. Because that's who he is that's where it all started that's what it's all about so you have to excuse me the devil's attacking me right now because i'm telling so much truth anytime i ever talk about the reason why the devil fell his fall from grace it's amazing how It seems like I'm fighting him directly because I thought I would think to myself, the devil, he's an ancient serpent. He was here for so long. I could never fight him alone. And clearly I'm not fighting him alone, but it seems like I'm fighting him directly whenever I speak about these things. Why? Because it's true. And the devil hates the truth because he lives a lie. He convinces himself, one day I'll be as great as God. One day I'll take his audience from him. One day I'll take his love. I'll take his support. I'll have his power. I can rule heaven. I can kick him out. I can beat him. And he can't. He lives a lie. And so he convinces others to live a lie with him. Because he tells them, you can't have that. But you should be able to. So come and live a lie with me. Where we'll pretend that we will be able to have that or we have it already. And in reality, what's better that what's better what God tells you, you can't have that. And that's not for you. But look what is for you. It's perfectly made for you. It's so much greater than what it is you think you want because it's for you. And that's for someone else. 
You think you want that, and you don't even realize that that was made for them. But look what's made for you. If you took a chance and you took a just a second to look away from what it is that they have and look at what you have, you would realize that what you have is way more fitting and way better. But you can't stop looking at what they have. So I understand that. And obviously that applies when I look at different people who have the support that I don't have or who are getting the support that I don't have. But in reality, it's not about me coveting their support. It's about me realizing that this is a tactic of the devil. This is a tactic of the devil. So the reason why I want to talk about this, because I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself. Like I just preached all this about loving what you have and not wanting what someone else is ha- what someone else has. Obviously, I feel like the Lord is speaking through me on that. But that's not. But also, I want to speak about the other half. The other half of it is someone trying to keep you from what's for you. Now, nobody can ultimately keep you from what's for you if that's what God wants for you. So. It might seem as if I'm talking for no reason, but yet still, I don't feel like he would put it on my heart for nothing. So, I feel like in noticing that everybody, or not everybody, when people are deliberately avoiding me, or deliberately avoiding supporting me because it is me, or because they're jealous of what I could be. It's upsetting. And obviously, whatever, at, at the end of the day, what's meant for me is I'm going to have. What, what's, what's, what I want, what I'm going to get in life, nobody can take. Like, what God's going to give me, nobody can take away. Nobody can keep me from having. That's a fact. But the fact of the matter is that someday or one day, somebody's going to maybe come across this message. And I hope that this message can encourage them. I hope that they can see where I was at one point, when I was here at one point. If they ever admire anything that I say or if they ever resonate with anything that I say or believe. Hopefully one day they can come across this message and they'll feel like, you know, she went through this. And different people didn't want to support her. Because it was her, so I can get through. Or this information truly helped and encouraged me to know that one day it'll work out for me too. Because I know it's going to work out for me. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the entire time it seems like so many different people are putting their all, putting everything that they have into getting me to into trying to keep me from getting what it is that is for me and I know I said this a bunch of different times but it just doesn't make sense for you to put all that energy into into trying to keep me from having something when in reality what if you put all that energy into getting what it is you wanted for you and if that's what you want then I, I mean I would never say anything is impossible but I do want to say that you Putting all your energy into the detriment of someone else would only end up in the detriment of yourself. Because if you really want what somebody else has, what you need to do is figure out why. First of all, why do you want what somebody else has? What is it about what they have that you want? And is it really what they have or is it the fact that you believe that it's, they have it better than you can have it? 
Because if you think that they have it better than you can have it, the first thing you need to realize is that's not true. You can have whatever it is you want in life as long as you're not comparing yourself to others. As long as you're not trying to be better than someone else, you can be whoever you want to be. The problem lies is when, where the problem is, is like, it's healthy, it's it's always good to have competition. Healthy competition, is nothing wrong with healthy competition. Trust me, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually motivating and honestly, sometimes it can help you get things done better and faster. There's nothing wrong with healthy competition, but it's it's a problem when it becomes toxic competition. And there's a thin line between it. There's a thin line between the healthy and the toxic competition. So, that being said, I don't want, what I'm saying is that when you're competing with somebody because they motivate you to be better and they motivate you to get it done faster or they motivate you to be stronger, they're making, they're making you stronger by competing with them, then I agree with that. I feel like that's good. But if you're competing with somebody and you believe that it's, toxic not not that you believe it's toxic because you may not know that it is but you believe that no matter what i do i just have to beat them it's not about making yourself better it's not being the best that you can be it's not about getting the ultimate results out of your own work it's about beating their work that's toxic because why are you comparing yourself to what they have as long as you're comparing yourself to what they have you'll never ever reap what it is you can have You'll never see the extent of what you can have. You'll never be on the level of where you can be as long as you're worried about what someone else is doing. Because what you need to understand is that's them and this is you. They can't be you and you can't be them. That's your superpower. You're you. No one can ever be you. No one can ever wear your fingerprints. Nobody can ever have the mind you're, you you have. Nobody can ever be born you. That's the superpower we're all born with. We're all born unique and there's nobody like us ever. So why would you give up your superpower in order to be somebody else? Then you don't have a superpower. You just It's not that you get theirs. You just don't have one. What is the point in that? So... I honestly was going to come on here and talk about something else, but obviously the Holy Spirit has led me to talk about this. Every single time I come on here to talk about something else, the Holy Spirit leads me to talk about this. So I, I, I kinda, I'm kind of getting the point that maybe I don't need to talk about this stuff. But um, yet still, I do feel that somebody can learn from these different things that I've been going through. Somebody can learn from the different stuff that has happened. So I might as well talk about it. So... So many different things have happened. So last year, I talked about this in a previous episode. Last year, I had a bunch of different people just attacking me. And it was obviously demonic activity. I found out I found out 2019 Christmas that this person was a witch and I'm a demon slayer. Her words. So, that told me that it was already a really rocky relationship around this time where it's like, anytime we try and, anytime we have plans to do something, she's not showing up. Um, 
every time I'm around, it seems like she is attacking me. Like, whenever I'm not paying attention, she's actually against me. Um... I've so many different times I've been around her and I've been just like in my own little world like oh my gosh look at this look at that this is beautiful this is great and she'll just be staring at me like with the most malicious like evil like obsessive like just death stare and I can feel it but I'm not even looking at her but I can feel it and then as soon as I look at her she pretends like she wasn't I'm just like that is so creepy because anytime I'm looking at you or talking to you it's like wow you're we're best friends or you really support me or you want the best for me and you're so good at it you're even better at pretending like you want the best for me than people who really want the best for me and that's really scary and it's so many different times and and then so many different just and I would I remember we were at a restaurant and a couple girls walked in and the girls were like some girls I believe that she well some girls that she said that she had fought before I got jumped by and these girls they walked in and they were like you know regular girls or whatever you know some you know how girls are like if if it's another group of girls staring at them then they like who want problems but at the same time it's like they're they're just they're just at the restaurant just like we are so she said to me those girls they jumped me before those are the girls that jumped me at my job and so i said wow really that's so convenient that they just walked in and honestly before that i kept feeling like just this energy like why are they me mugging me or something or like I swear, if anybody say anything to me, I swear we'd be fighting up in this restaurant. And honestly, before that, I was just like, why do I feel like that? Because honestly, I don't care about anything but getting my food right now. Before she said it. Then when she said it, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe that makes sense. That's what I mean, mugging us and et cetera, et cetera. So in reality, growing up, she was the one who usually fought, fought a lot. But it seemed like she hadn't been fighting a lot lately. So that's when... um she said to me if they they might try and fight me they might want to fight and I'm just like okay well if they want to fight then I'm ready because I'm not stupid enough to be like if y'all want to fight let's fight because it's like no like we're in a restaurant it's a public restaurant and it's more than them than us honestly it's just two of us and it's like five of them but still at the same time I'm just like still that doesn't matter because if they actually try and jump you then obviously I got your back but I just remember her saying to, it was actually three of us. It was two girls, though. And there was, it was two of us that's girls. And she actually had her boyfriend with her. And I remember her saying to her boyfriend, um, she's not actually going to, she was whispering to him before about just odd stuff and just kept whispering back and forth. And everybody kept looking and talking. And it seemed like they were saying, like, wait, which one is it? Are y'all cool or not? Like, are y'all cool or are y'all not cool? Because... You need to see what she's doing. And every time I would look back, it would seem like, I'm not doing anything. And it would seem like she was like an angel. But, like, every time I turned my head, she was like a demon. And I was like, that is so creepy. So, that's when I heard her whisper to her boyfriend, she's not going to help me. 
she not gonna help me but that was after she already whispered something else to him that i definitely couldn't hear but this time i could hear the whisper and i'm like why would she whisper something and she's able to whisper to the point where i can't hear her but now she, now she it's like she wants me to hear that whisper because why would she be whispering before to the point i can't hear her but now her whisper is audible i can hear her and she repeated it like three times to try and make sure i heard it and i was like she wants me to hear her say that so I looked back and I saw that she was trying to make her face like look like upset but it was real she really was upset because none of it was working and so like that's when like I looked at the girls or whatever and the girls are like they started looking back and forth but like in reality it seemed like they just wanted their food but I just thought to myself, they really was going to jump. You wouldn't have said something to you by now. They really just, it seemed like they're just waiting in line. Like they don't want any issues. But you're saying, you're making it seem as if they about to, they didn't ran up on you already and I'm not trying to defend you. That doesn't make sense because you're acting like what she said was, she's not going to help me if they jump me. She's not going to help me if they jump me. And she said it like three times. And I already told her, well, if it's, if we have to fight, I got your back. So these girls, they haven't said a word to us. They they are staring at us a little bit, but it's like they not trying to fight us. Because I know it's like, I'm not saying I'm just an expert at fighting, but I know that if somebody wants to fight you, it's going to be made clear. Like, I've been in these situations before. Usually the girls start talking loud, like, I don't know if, like, if anybody want problems, they can have problems. If anybody want to fight, we can fight. And then it starts It starts becoming obvious that somebody wants to fight you. Like, you don't have to force a fight when somebody wants to fight you. So, I knew that these girls was just, like, they, obviously they was looking at us like, why do, you, do I look like they whispering about us? But at the same time, they didn't provoke a fight. So, I'm like, if they're not provoking a fight, then I'm not going to provoke one either. At the end of the day, I don't want to sound like I'm scared or anything, but it's like... I wasn't scared. I knew I wasn't scared. But if it's, I know at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is, if you're not scared, you aren't, you're going to continue doing whatever it is you was doing until somebody want to fight. That's when you're not scared. When you are scared, you're sitting there worried about them the whole time. So it's like, I'm not about to be sitting up here worried about you the whole time. If you want to fight, you're going to walk up over here and we're going to fight. But they weren't trying to fight. They were just trying to get their food. And it seemed like she was just trying to send me off to go fight them and she wasn't actually going to defend me so that's when it seems like her boyfriend started defending me and he had been doing this a lot actually because obviously I feel like he saw that a lot of this was just wrong that she was doing like she was just really off you know so he, I remember just hearing like she wanna she not even gonna she not she gonna she trying to send you over there to get jumped and she not even gonna fight you she gonna try to leave you I remember that and I remember saying to myself like what she would never do that so I don't know where that's coming from but at the same time I'm just like what that's like why do I feel like that I've never felt like that before I've never even thought of nothing like that before usually she's the one defending me so it's like it doesn't make sense but at the same time it's like she's she's whispering behind my back she's plotting every time I'm my head is turned she wants to stand behind me on purpose so that she can stare at the back of my head every time my head is turned she is you know 
talking about me or plotting stuff and scheming. And this is not the first incident also. And also so many different people was telling me like, that's her. That's her. So we were, this is another visit. We were back at her boyfriend's apartment and everybody in the area was like, that's your sister. That's your sister. Your sister is plotting behind your back. She's always talking about you every time, every chance she gets. And she really does not like you, but she's in your face pretending like she does. And I was like, but she invited me. And they was like, that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. She invited you. So why is she always talking about you and always trying to scheme on you and plot against your plot against you? And I remember hearing, um, I just remember somebody saying like, just leave it, just leave it alone. Stay out of it. Stay out of it. And I remember them saying, no, because I'm tired of that. Like I'm tired of her being fake. She is fake. She's fake. And everybody kept exposing her. And I just kept saying, like, wait, because then I looked at her face. At her, when I when I looked at her face, her face was like, her face just looked like super just down. Like, she looked really down. Like, I don't care. Like, like she wanted to cry. But also at the same time, like, guilty. Like, I'm caught. And then I just remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know what to believe. I really don't know what to believe. Everybody was screaming and telling me this, but who who would you believe? Some strangers you barely knew or your own blood sister that you grew up with? So you can't tell me that if you were in that situation, you would have done things differently. Unless you already had this feeling that your sister was against you and I never had that so obviously she was good at being fake behind my back she was she had begun she had become really good at it like she was a really good actor when it came to me but I noticed like everybody will always defend me Everybody would say, no, I don't care. No, you're not about to do that. No, you're not about to do that. No, I don't care. And they would always scream at me. And they would always tell me, like, that's her. Like, you need to watch her. So many different times I would be in public places and people would say, you need to watch her. You need to watch her. Watch her back. And every single time I heard that, I would say, but I cannot see it. Like, I hear all everything that y'all are saying, but I cannot see it. Like, every single time in person, she just, like, she's not acting. Like, she's not saying any of this to my face. It doesn't make sense. Like, honestly, to be quite honest with you, she's my older sister. And growing up, when we used to fight, she used to win most of the time. I'm not going to lie. So, it just doesn't make sense for her to be plotting and doing this stuff on my back. Any other time, she would say it right to my face. But I guess we're in an environment. What if she, what if she, when, if she does that? People are going to judge her, so now she has to pretend as if it's me. And she has to make me look bad in order to save her own self. But that day, when that happened, I just remember them saying, just beat her up right now, just beat her up. Like, it don't matter, like, take a brick, knock her out, or stab her or something, like, beat her up. And everybody's just laughing, everybody's just, like, rooting it on, everybody is instigating it. Because she tried to embarrass me in front of everybody, but it turned, it actually flipped back on her. And everybody ended up taking my side because she was wrong. So, the thing about it is, what am I, how am I supposed to 
react to that? How do I deal with that? How do I, what am I supposed to do? Just fight my sister, just knock her out, just, excuse me, just pick something up and crack it over her head. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, and it's like, it's no actual physical evidence that she's actually doing this. Like anything that she's doing, she's doing it so sneakily and so subtly that it's like, if I did that, I would look wrong. Because I don't have real evidence. And I know that that's the point. That's what she's doing. She's trying to make it. She's trying to do everything she's doing behind closed doors. And when nobody else can prove it. So that the things that I do are actually what people can prove. So that I only get in trouble for it. And I realized. I start thinking back on. Like growing up when I really started letting it sit in, sink in. Because I thought that we were closer than that. But when I really started letting it sink in, I thought of many different times, many different times it started rushing through my mind of times where she really tried to blame stuff on me that she did. Or times that she really tried to make it look like I was the bad guy and I really wasn't doing anything wrong. Or different times where she really just found she got a high out of sneaking around me behind my back and not doing it or saying it to my face. So... I think of many different many different examples and many different things that she did and I was just like every single time she did these things anytime we got into an argument about it she would always know that this stuff happened or know that I'm telling the truth but she would always say to me but you can't prove it though and I would always say it doesn't matter if I can prove it you know what you did we were both there so what do you mean I can't prove it when you know we we're both there where does your logic lie it's like you're sitting in my face telling me I can't prove it as if we're in front of a court. But you were there and I was there. So what does it matter having to prove it when you know you did it and I know you did it? And she would always be like, but you can't prove it. You have to prove it. And I would be like, hmm. So your logic is you get away with it if I can't prove it. Okay. God sees everything though. That's what I would always say. I would say, but God saw everything. God knows. God is my witness. And, like, every single time, like, I would think, like, like you would think, like, okay, well, then by now he would have struck her down. But it's like, no, because every single time she does this stuff, it always backfires in her face. But yet still, she's, I think that just riles her up more to get to, to for the next time. Like, it didn't work this time, but next time, it might work. And I'm just like, so that's her demon. That's when I realized that's the demon that she has. That's her demon, but she's proud of it. And the problem with it is that, you know, her logic is if I, if you can't prove that I did it, I get away with it. And I know that's not true. So, I'm, I, I want you to decide for yourself. I don't want you to choose between anybody, but obviously, I mean, well, yeah, obviously, because that's my opinion. Obviously, one of us, uh, you know, got the right logic. One of us don't. And my logic is it doesn't matter if I can prove that you did it. It doesn't matter if I have evidence that you did that. You did it. And it's like, it's not that, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily saying this because I need something to happen to you. 
it's just a simple fact that it's like where do you think what do you think that's going to get you what do you think is going to happen because if you were if you if you're not worried about consequences for only me then it's like okay then you're good if you're like okay well then if it's if it got to do with the consequences from only you or if you're gonna do something i'm not worried about it then i guess you're okay then but i'm not worried about that i'm worried about the consequences from god because the thing about it you're sitting here saying um you can't prove that i did it so i must didn't do it and it's like but you did do it and god saw you so what do you think is going to happen that being said i realized that god's way of you know revenge is mine said the lord god's way of revenge is not always my way now when i say that i don't mean that i ever wanted anything to ever happen to you because honestly i just wish you never did it to begin with i don't want things to happen to you because you did it i want you to not do it that's my logic because it's like the way i see it it's like you're not going to get consequences from me probably most likely you're not going to get consequences from me but what about other consequences like don't you know what goes around comes around you reap what you sow so if somebody comes and i mean let's say somebody does to you what you're doing to me you're not gonna like it matter of fact i think that that's probably what will happen because i mean maybe that's the only way you'll see that you don't need evidence to prove that something happened and it doesn't matter if you have evidence to prove it you did that so it's like when somebody does that to you then you're like i don't like how that feels i can't prove it happened but i know it did so this is when that being said that's that's just consequences and i that's not even my main issue that's not even my main concern my main concern is your well-being because at this point it's not about the consequences it's about what's my, what state of mind you were in to even that 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 that's your logic like are you okay and are you going to be okay because your logic is i'm doing things to you because i can and you can't prove it so i guess i get away with it and it's like you can't go through life like that you cannot go through life like that because eventually you're going to get in touch with somebody who is not me you're going to run into somebody who is not me and that person is going to be everything you are except a million billion billion times worse because everybody meets their match and so so many different times i would just be concerned because i say to myself you don't have consequences from me but it's like it's not even about that it's about the fact that like you're obviously going through something to even be doing that to somebody who's not who doesn't want to hurt you who doesn't want to harm you who doesn't want to see you harmed i want the best for you if anything me even this whole me even discussing this after me knowing that you don't even care about the consequences for me or anything else is like me realizing that one day the consequences are going to be much more than you can bear and i don't want that because i actually genuinely care about you and love you so that being said like i just realized like anytime i would say that it was like a joke they would take it as a joke they would say 
you're just mad because you're not you not you don't feel like you can give her consequences it's like do i really feel like i can't give her consequences because how hard is it to go and do something that you didn't see me do and then say you can't prove it i mean it's hard for me because i know that i would have to be in a mindset that's like you know i'm malicious and i need revenge and i want to be evil and it would take just a lot of being angry and i just don't want to be angry i don't want to be that upset like that hurts to even think about being in that mindset honestly and i'm not perfect like i've been in mindsets where i've wanted to hurt people and seek revenge on them and the lord has delivered me from that and it's like i'm just not you know i can't imagine living like that i can't imagine my days consist of planning revenge on someone else or planning someone else's demise instead of planning a positive future for myself i can't imagine that because it's like i just want to cry when i think about that that's so sad that's just a sad lifestyle that's a sad mindset that is a sad way to live not it's not even about the consequences it's just about you're living in them when you're even thinking, when you're even planning stuff like that, when you're even doing stuff like that, when that's your logic, you're already living in the consequences. That's misery. That is pure misery. And it's like, you could tell somebody that, but they would just say, whatever, you're just mad because I won. And it's like, did you really win? Are you really winning if that's your logic? And then I just, I feel so upset. I feel like, I, I just pray. I just pray to the Lord about for that person because I realized that like they're way worse off than I could ever be. No matter how bad they try to hurt me, no matter how much they do to plan my demise on a daily basis, first of all, I know the Lord got me. The Lord is going to keep me. He's going to protect me. He loves me. I know that. He loves you too. But I just also know that, you know, just you living in that life, like that being your mindset and that being your lifestyle, or you're already living the consequences, and that's just unfair. Especially when you know what peace is like, and that's nowhere near peace. So it's like, I feel like, um, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like this is God's logic. So God's logic is, vengeance is mine. So if you take revenge into your own hands, then you'll just deal, you'll re, you'll reap the consequences of your own of dealing with that on your own. Which means that if you go and take revenge to your own hand, and somebody goes and retaliates on you because of your revenge or whatever it is that you did, don't expect me to save you out of that situation. You put yourself in it. Because if I said vengeance is mine, then that means leave it alone. Period. That means don't touch it. So that's the logic. I feel like God's that's that's God's being that's God being fair. His fairness is, okay, if you think that you can handle it better than me, then you're going to handle it better than me. And don't come ask me, you know, for help. You didn't want the help, remember? But also at the same time, he's merciful, he's graceful, he's forgiving. So, you know, I do feel like if it gets too out of hand or just in general, if he knows it's out of hand and you're not willing to admit it, he will save you out of it. So that being said, I realized that, you know, her situation was very, 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 very just like challenging because if you grow up thinking that that's okay if you grow up thinking that just because somebody can't prove it i get away with it then like next thing you know you're in a situation that's like you know way far out of hand way too far out of hand that you can't control that you can't that you can't grasp and you can't take back what you did and all you can do is move forward hopefully so, I would just be more concerned for her and, like, 
when I showed my concern, her and everybody else would say, whatever, that's not real concern. You're just like, you're trying to make somebody feel bad about what they did because you can't get the revenge that you want. So in reality, you just want them, you, you're hoping that that'll, that'll get a re, that'll provoke uh, some shame out of somebody to get them to stop messing with you. And that's pathetic. And it's like, no, what I'm doing is not pathetic. Because I'm not doing this provoke shame out of you. First of all, that's number one. If you don't get that, I don't care. Because what what does it matter? You're going to think that regardless, right? So what, what does it change? So, first of all, it's not. I'm not trying to do that just to provoke shame. Second of all, even if I was doing that to provoke shame, that's a much better position in the being than to be the type of person who thinks that they get away with something just because you can't prove it or just because they don't care about your per- your consequences. You personally, like, there's not other consequences in this world to have to have had. I'm in a much better situation than anybody who feels like I can get away with anything as long as it's on you. Or I can get away with anything as long as they can't prove I did it. Or I can get a, or if I do something, as long as I feel like it's within these lines or these guidelines that I determined that somebody won't do something like this or like that to me. Because it's like you don't know how other people react to things. So what you don't understand is that just because you're getting this reaction out of me don't mean that you'll get this reaction out of everyone. You'll be lucky to actually keep running into somebody like me who just say, I hope that you find deliverance. That's luck. It's not luck. Matter of fact, I hate to use the word luck. You'll be blessed. That's a blessing if you keep running into people who just let you get away with that because they know that God will handle it. You'll be blessed if you just keep getting away with it and God just keeps showing mercy on you and not having you actually reap the consequences of your, you know, reap what you're sowing. You'll be blessed because at the end of the day, what I realize is that other people, when you get onto this world, other people are going to be like, and now I kind of get what, not I kind of get it, but this is where people will be like, see, you, you want something else, somebody else to do something to her. You, you, you're hoping that somebody else will do something to her because you're too afraid to. And it's like, am I really too afraid to do something to her? Am I really too afraid to do something to her? How, like, what is that? First of all, the mindset of doing something to somebody is just, I don't care. I don't care about the consequences. That's all it is. That's all it's about. It's just like, I don't care what happens after that. I'll hit you and I don't care if you hit me back. That's all it is. Like, it's not, it doesn't take rocket science to get revenge on someone. But my logic is, if getting is getting revenge on them really even worth it? Is that even really worth it? So everybody doesn't think like that. Clearly you don't. So what if you run into somebody that says, yes, getting revenge is worth it. And matter of fact, I'm not just going to stop at what you did to me. I'm going to do overboard just because I'm that kind of person who really likes to torture people. And you really tried me like that as if I was going to let it go. And I'm just afraid for you running into people like that. And you might say that it sounds like, you know, I want you to, but you don't understand that if I wanted you to, I wouldn't even tell you that. If I wanted you to run into somebody who's going to do that to you, you're obviously going to with the mindset that you have. If I truly believe that's the mindset that you have, you're obviously going to run into somebody like that. And I could just not say anything. I don't care about you. I don't care if you run into somebody like that. And matter of fact, you're on your way. And I'll just sit here with my popcorn mouth shut. 
uh, see no evil, hear no evil, and watch you reap the consequences of your sins because it's not it's not rocket science if you if you live with that mindset if you keep going on like that like you do it once or twice okay i get it you do it a few times okay i get it but if you go on like that and you believe that that's a way that you can live life if you believe that that's a way you'll keep going and continuing on in life you're going to run into somebody who's worse that's logic that's real logic because your logic wasn't working but if I tell you that you're just you'll just say I'm wishing that on you. How do, that logic doesn't work either. Because if I were really wishing that on you, did I have to tell you I was wishing that on you? I could just wish it on you and it probably would happen anyways without me wishing it on you. And that's the fact. And my mother has actually been saying the same thing to her and my older brother who are the main two people who have to have revenge in their lives. They usually, they actually used to go back and forth, like for months at a time, getting revenge on each other because they have to have revenge and they never want to quit and they have to have the last word. They are just like that. And so I can't lie. Honestly, it rubbed off on me a little bit, but I just ultimately, God found me. God found me and ultimately he delivered me from that. He showed me, he said to me, you could be like that, but what kind of life is that to live? Like, I know you see that it looks like it's like, it looks fun or it looks relieving or it looks like it's satisfying to get revenge. But look how they they can't stop. That ultimately is going to come back to bite. And me being logical, I'm like, yeah, it is. That's definitely going to come back to bite. The thing about getting revenge is that somebody can revenge that. Then venge that. I mean, then revenge that, then revenge that, then revenge that, and then it never stops. And honestly, growing up around different people who will kill you for nothing, it's like that just doesn't, that logic doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. Now, that being said, I can't say that I was ever the person who did seek revenge. Like, I have to get you back for this. Like, I've done that, but obviously, I knew it was wrong and I repented of it. And I, and I, and also, I, um, I just, took heed I learned from the situation and I realized that it's not always you know that's not always the best option that's genuinely not always the best option so you know I realized like you know maybe I should I mean eventually I stopped saying it eventually I mean yeah I, I think I said it like once or not even once or twice I said it a few times like you need to be careful like you don't know like somebody like that's gonna that's gonna come back to bite like i've said it a few times and it's like after that it's like you don't care anyways anytime i tell you this stuff you make it seem like i'm wishing that on you then you want to fight me now you want to fight me for telling you the truth because you know it's the truth but you're saying to yourself well if i can fight you and get away with it then i'll just fight you and get away with it and it's like okay i guess but that being said, like, I remember having a conversation with God. And I remember just feeling like it's so frustrating to be around people who just don't get it. They think that, you know, I'm just so scary. Or they think that I'm just afraid of consequences so bad. Or, you know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, um, they say sweet, but I'm the, like, weak one. They think I'm the weak one. 
when in reality like they don't understand like it doesn't take much to do what they're doing it really doesn't honestly it takes more to do what i'm doing and it's because i love them it's because i love them that i don't retaliate it's it's because i love them that i don't seek revenge it's because i love them that i tell them to worry actually don't worry about me i mean clearly you're not worried about me but maybe you should start worrying about other people you might run into i've never said you're gonna meet your match and one day they're gonna beat you up so bad and i'm telling you it's gonna feel so good to see that because i've always been the one who was like if somebody does that to you i'm gonna be right there i wish i'm i hope that i'm right there i pray that it never happens but i hope that i'm right there to help you and defend you and get you out of that because i don't want that to happen to you and other people will say or the people who i try to tell it is like I don't want to call them a fool because, you know, that means you're you're in danger of hellfire. But the people that I would tell this to, they would really genuinely think that I'm just being scary. And I would be like, okay, so you just think you can beat everybody then. You genuinely believe you can beat any everybody. And you believe that if you can't beat everybody, that you'll just figure out a way to get your revenge and get out of it. Unscathed. Scott free. Or that just means you accept every consequence that comes with it. That means whatever happens, happens, and you're good with that. You 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 can handle it all. That's I mean, which one is it? That what you're telling me? Because what I'm telling you is that it's not scary to be smart. Now, that being said, you know, I knew that this would happen, but always prayed, always hoped that it wouldn't. And I would just like I will always just like, you know, I, I eventually it just slipped my mind. Honestly, eventually it slipped my mind. But, like, I just always hoped, I always prayed in the back of my mind that they had gotten over that. That they had learned. Like, they had, they're not the type to admit it, that, that you were right about something. But I hope that secretly they still got that message, though. Like, you don't have to admit to me that I'm right. I know that I am. Not that I, Not that I have to be right, but it's like. You don't have to admit to me as long as in your heart you know that it is and you start taking like you you're careful of that because I, I really don't want that to happen and that's how you know somebody really wants the best for you when they don't even need the, the i told you so moment i don't even need that i just want that to be real in your heart that and i feel like god put that in me because he's like that with me he's like it's not about you know you telling me, okay, God, I guess you're right, man. I guess you feel real good about this. You you sit up there talking about I told you so. No, God doesn't want that. He doesn't need that. He just hopes that in your heart you get it. That's what he wants. He just wants you to get it. You don't have to say I told you so. You don't. He don't need that I told you so moment. Matter of fact, do away with the I told you so. I'm just glad you're okay and you get it. Because I just want the best for you. And that's how I would feel about other people. Like, I would feel like, because the, the fact of the matter is, I know I'm not better. So, the my mindset is, if I'm this bad, if God, not I'm this bad, if I know how God is with me. So, I understand that I, you know, need to get this. And I'm not even as bad as the people, like, some people I've grown up around. And that's not me trying to compare and say I'm better than them. But what I'm saying is that if I need to be this concerned, then imagine how concerned they need to be. And that's not saying that, ooh, I'm glad I'm not them. That's saying, Lord Jesus, please get to them like you got to me. Because, woo, I'm I thought I wasn't even that bad. And look, 
And so that's really just like being genuinely concerned for other people. And like, I just realized like lately with everything that's been going on, Jesus showed me those people like that. You were right. No, I was right. I told you that. Remember? But he pretty much showed me like, yeah, see, good thing you listened. It doesn't always look like that forever. You're not always being teased. Because, yeah, people will tease you like, you're not going to go do something back. You're not going to say something back. You know how many times I got teased about not reacting? Like, to the point where it's like, it's, they're making bad look good and good look bad. And it's like, I just had to, like, really suffer through that. It was worse understanding that I'm right than, you know, them making me feel wrong. It was worse knowing that I'm right. And so, last year, God showed me that they met their match, the devil. And he loves doing stuff like that. He loves people like that. Like, he is so fault that, like, he he will remind you that God was trying to keep you from this. And you walked right into it. And then he'll show you somebody that God kept you from that also tried to remind you. And then he'll make you super jealous of that person. He'll make you try and hurt that person. And then he'll hurt you for trying to hurt that person because you're wrong. And the devil even is the one who made you wrong. And he just plays on that all day, all night. He's so wrong. Like, the devil showed me last year my brother. The one I talked about who always needed revenge. And he showed me him in a state where... He had met his match. Far more than meeting his match, the devil was overboard with it. He was like, you met your match a long time ago. Now I'm about to just stretch it out as long as I feel like it just because I can. And that was heartbreaking. You just don't understand. Like, I can't. That was my main fear growing up. I'm not going to be able to save you. I'm not going to be able to keep you from it if you don't listen, if you don't get rid of the attitude. And it's not that I feel like I'm better or smarter than you, but maybe sometimes God speaks through some of us. Because it's working with me, he's been telling me this, and I'm learning that this is the best option for me. And then my sister. The same thing. He's like... What are you going to do about it? All that stuff she did, he did it a million times more. Like, way far past anything she... Way far past what she doing. Like, at this point, like, it's overboard. Like, she get it. She been got it. Like, it's done. And it's like, nope. Because you should have... You should have got... You shouldn't have got to this position. You shouldn't have got to this point. And I'm, they're not the only ones suffering. I'm suffering for the things I've done. But I'm just so blessed to not be suffering as much. Because I got the point. That being said. like, I just hope that this can get around to anybody who 
you know, might still be in those stages of thinking like, I have to get revenge or I have to retaliate or, you know, God said vengeance is his, but he don't seem like he doing nothing. So maybe I should don't do anything. And if it feels like they're getting away with it, let them. Let them get away with it because you just do not understand. You do not get it. You don't want that on your heart. You don't want to drink poison to hope that they die, first of all. And second of all, you don't you don't know that they're going to have to answer for everything that they've done. And you're going to wish that they, they didn't even do that to you so you can lift off of their suffering. You're going to wish, you're going to say, no, I forgive them for everything that they did so that they don't have to even suffer as much. Because that's how bad it is. So steer clear.